Okay, now we're recording for real. Yes! I'm Jackie. This is Fascism, a podcast about art and fashion and pop culture. We are, you know, two anti-capitalists who think we're pretty funny and we just <laughs> like to embrace the irony of being obsessed with um, pop culture, even though, you know, it conflicts with our values sometimes. Give us nice. a five-star review <laughs> if you like this podcast, like, even a little bit. Yeah, even if you're, like, on the fence, please. We don't, like, where should we leave a five-star review? Because I don't even know. I guess we on Apple know. Podcasts or, you know, follow us on Spotify. Tell a friend to listen to us because we're just, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there. It's hard. It's rough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we got to at least, like, get on that podcast top 100 list, maybe. You know, that's... Even top a thousand, like I feel like given how many podcasts are out there, like even that would be pretty good. Truly. And uh, we feel like our opinions and and thoughts and ideas are worth sharing. Yeah. I know that's vain, but it's true. It's true. Well, I think, I mean, I listen to so many people's podcasts every day. I feel like the least people could do is listen to mine. What's trending? What's trending for you, Jackie? Let me pull up my notes like an idiot because I don't, when things happen to me, they literally leave my brain the day after. I just that just sounds very relaxing to for, to forget everything that happened the day before. True, uh, but it it certainly like feels like it has been lately. I'll I'll be like, oh, I forgot that was even an issue. It is relaxing. Okay, well, here's the thing. I've kind of had to tune into that. It's like a survival mode at this point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. with unionizing and all this stuff, it's almost too much, and I can't carry it on to the next day. So I just black out every night. <laughs> like for nothing sure. happened. And it's been helpful. Otherwise, I'll come in emotionally heated every fucking day. So mm-hmm. my memory of things is just it's mostly because I'm so overwhelmed and I'm just like, what even happened? Okay, but what I'm ramping up to is my feelings. I have some New Year's resolutions. Okay. I'm really excited about. Um, and of course, some of them are like, you know, you know, move forward and like, like you know, pushing myself forward. My number one is to get ridiculously hot. Mm. And is that problematic of me? Pro- yeah, probably. Why? But I'm gonna get, well, because like, what's hot? Hot is still a standard that we're trying to achieve. That's like, oh, given approval by men. You know, like it's still Not, seeking but, approval. But it doesn't have to be approval by men. It could be. I feel like a lot of people want to be hot, also to have approval from their, from women. For sure, but it's still in the context of the patriarchy. You know, like, and even when there's women, there's the dichotomy of men. So even when there's like mask and femme, they're still, they're through the lens of the patriarchy. Yeah, I guess I think that like, there's a lot of things you could mean by getting hot. And I, and like, it doesn't, like, I'm guessing that you don't mean you're going to like, go out and buy a pair of rock hard tits and like, dye your hair blonde and get like extensions and like. Well, you're absolutely wrong because that's all the things I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to get a boob job? No, I love my tits. My tits are amazing. They, are, I will get a boob lift when I'm about 37, just because I want to keep them at top notch, you know. And yeah, I love my tits. So, anyways, I want to be super hot 
and I want fillers. I want Botox. I want a not new face, but an enhanced one. And then I want to get like buff as fuck. I want fucking abs and arms and an ass. You know, I want mm -hmm. a tush, a rock hard tush. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I uh, I just kind of feel like I I like leaning into vanity because it just feels like it's a tangible goal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And a lot of it involves things that like are kind of healthy, like working out, whether like whether your goal is to like, quote unquote, just be strong, which like whatever people say that I'm like, OK, don't believe you. But like either well, way, it's like good to work out. Yeah, but we're so like I I'm not going on a diet because it's we're every single one of us that have been even men, but like mostly women, if we're raised women as women, we you have an eating disorder like, you know, like all of us do because we've been yeah. so fucked up by generations of women being told that they need to be skinny. And that's the only way that they're going to be considered even remotely interesting. I'm always wary of like saying I want to lose weight because it's it is just so triggering. I don't know. Anyways, I do want to just work out and I'm not going to worry about what I'm eating because I can't feel bad about that. It's too much work to eat. I, it's, honestly, it's so hard to have an eating. Like, yeah, you got to think about it all the time, you know? Right. And yeah. I, and my New Year's resolution is to get hot. So I think I can do that and eat lasagna. Anyways, so I'm sure. that. So, so that's my problematic goals. <laughs> and I'm excited about that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And my last thing being, we said that I had Christmas with my friends and that was really, really nice. Um, I wasn't with Hope. Hope. What did you do? I'll, I'll ask that in a second. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious. I just made a feast with my friends and that was really fucking nice. I'm currently hooking up with this guy. I, I don't think we've released the episode where Steven and I broke up, but Steven and I broke up mm -hmm. and I'm currently hooking up with this guy who mentioned WGNS, which I had never heard of. But it was pivotal for this research that I did and it gave so much good content. The trend company that you go to, like people like spend a lot of money to get like consumer reports and stuff. And he knew about it because his professor worked there in Mexico City. Hmm. So he had told me about it and he really like helped me do my research. So shout out to Pedro, who's not listening right now. Thanks for this reference. As much for that as hot, hot tip. The hot, hot tip. How little I knew. But and now how much I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but thank goodness for hookups for uh, for feeding us feeding us uh, stories. It's truly. I mean, I'm going on dates to get to, slowly but surely to accrue some kind of um, following. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. For, it's for content and for listeners because you do <laughs> you have made people listen to our podcast, which I really appreciate. Yeah, and I don't really have a lot of shame around it, and I feel like I should, but I'm like, no, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, like it. yeah. I not. mean, that's why we make a good pair because I'm kind of like, don't really tell people to listen to it, but you know. Yeah, well, you're also not going on dates. I bet if you were, you would bring it up at least once. I'm also just going on Hinge. I'm not even going on dates. I'm going on Hinge, just being like, hey, check out this podcast. I may or may not be in it. Just love right. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank, thank goodness for you. Uh, anyways, Hope, what's trending for you? And what was, what did you do for Christmas? Like I kind of knew, but I don't remember. I missed you. Um, for Christmas, I was in Tacoma with Brian's family. We drove down there on Christmas Eve. We had my sister babysit Lulu, my dog who um, got back surgery a month ago and has been quite a handful. We were so excited to get out of the house. We, yeah, so we like had dinner with his family. We made espresso martinis. 
which were so good. And I was just like, I feel like, first of all, hard alcohol really just puts, puts the skip in my step. Like it doesn't make me <laughs> tired, like wine and beer. And then mixed with coffee, it was just, it was great. That sounds um, like a perfect drug. That is the drug I'm trying to achieve. Yeah, dude. And I was like, oh, Brian, I'm going to be up all night. And he was like, just shaking his head. Like, no, you're not. And it's sure as sure as day, I was, you know, just absolutely passed out by 11 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> well, can I also say, listeners, Hope is just notoriously known for like sleeping. I'm very anywhere. sleepy. Very sleepy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Christmas. Yeah, we we were just with his family, open presents. Brian and I took a nap. It was kind of funny because like a month ago it was Thanksgiving, as you know, and I had told his mom I was going to bring a dessert, but then I got COVID and I was like freaking out about a lot of things and was like, Brian, you have to bring a dessert. I mean, at this point, he didn't know if he was going to be able to go because, you know, I had COVID. So he wasn't sure if he should go spend time with his family. But like, I was got really upset with him because I was like, you haven't played a dessert yet. Like you have to bring a dessert. It's like really important <laughs> to me. And so he like had this whole conversation with his mom because, you know, she's one of those moms. that's like, you don't need to bring anything, honey. You're fine. We've got it all covered. And he was like, no mom, like it's really important to hope. It's like, this is how she views community as it's like really important to her to contribute, blah, blah, blah. Aww. Fast forward to Christmas. And it's like, we open presents and then Brian and I just straight up pass out and take a nap until dinner time. Like she does all the work and we're just like, <laughs> um, but mama and papa have been hard at work with your, your little doggy and you had an espresso fucking martini. What were you supposed to, you were like raging for like an hour. I just know it. And then like had to pass out Yeah, a situation where you were, you know, living it up yeah we we enjoyed ourselves for sure yeah his parents got us tickets to go see hamilton we're going to see hamilton in spokane in may in spokane it's not like new york broadway but uh (laughs) i mean it's still that's got to be a hundred dollars at least yeah i and i think we might stay overnight and i told them like oh there's a really big goodwill there so um i will be going to that so and brian got me skis whoa everybody's just spending money left and right in this family i know it was yeah um very sweet so i'm feeling very spoiled yeah i got a lot of good gifts Um, honestly i got nothing except for money from my mom which i'm fine with and i got no one anything because it i can't even i can't i know i I bought myself a bunch of stuff because i'm an asshole but it's i mean yeah, I feel like I've been spending so much money just like between buying stuff for the new apartment and the holidays and my dog surgery. I'm just like, yeah, bleeding myself dry. But um, I will mention one New Year's resolution, which is to read more. That's like, that's all I asked my dad for was books. I like am reading this book by um, an anthropologist, a Costa Rican anthropologist named Andrea Ballestero, who is writing about like water resources and water rights in Costa Rica and Brazil. And a lot of it's about like, how do you, what does it mean for water to be a human right or to be a commodity? We can say we, what we think water is a human right, but what does that mean legally? If people are paying for water at all, does that mean it's a commodity? You know, just like fucking getting my brain super swole. Oh my God. Can I mention a book that I was, I'm being like pushed on and on TikTok? It's called What My Mother and I Don't Talk About. Oh, yeah. I saw I saw that video and I screenshot it. 
I'm gonna buy it and I want to I want to read it yeah it looks really good and I I really like reading but I you know also like to do a lot of other things so it's it's not always something that I do but yeah same um so that's like that's like my one new year's resolution I think overall I'm kind of just like I just want to amp everything up. I want to do like everything I've been doing, but like a little bit more, like, you know, I want to like work hard on this podcast. I want to like, I'm trying to run another marathon in June. Yeah. I'm here for it. I also feel like I've been ready. Like I needed this past two years to get my head on straight. And I don't mean that. Like, I, I hate that term. I feel like I've needed to realize some things about slowing down this past year to get amped up about this upcoming year. I feel like I understand boundaries a little bit more. And I feel like I'm also willing to push myself a little bit more at the same time with without compromising my boundaries. Yeah. Okay. So do we want to go let's let's start our media hall. So you've been watching the great and you like their costumes. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's about it. Uh, I love their costumes. I watched Minnie Lee's like little thing on the grate and they're so cute. Okay. So there are a lot of problems with it. Like any of those movies that have the tits pushed up all the way isn't real. Like they didn't oh, do really. That. Yeah. And you can see in some scenes that there's a zipper, you know, also the fabric wouldn't have been at that time. But overall, the decadence, the fucking extravagant, the flamboyancy is pretty accurate. And another thing that keeps showing up in that show, Elephant, like, outfit repeater. But in real life, Catherine the Great had a different outfit every fucking day. And she was even noted saying that if someone complimented her jewelry, she would never wear it again. Because it's like, if it made a... If it stood out to somebody, that means it stood out and they would know that she's like repeating stuff. So, okay. Question about the corsets and the tits. Like if the tits <laughs> didn't clear, didn't actually get pushed up, like where do they go? If you're wearing a corset, like don't the tits have to get squished? No. Well, it depends on the corset of uh, the design because I mean, some of them aren't all called corsets. I don't know. I need to know more history of the corset to give you an accurate answer. I don't think that was always... I, from what I was researching and understanding and being told was that it wasn't ever that reveal. It wasn't like hoochie mama. I don't want to call it hoochie mama, but it's like, it wasn't like tits out showcasing chest. Like we do in the movies, like we see in the movies. Right. Right. I mean, that's showbiz baby. That is showbiz baby. I mean, like <laughs> I do want to see some tits. Also like, have you started watched it at all, at all hope? Mm-mm. It is so great it's so funny highly suggest Elle Fanning is perfect for this role and now I'm like speaking of reading books I've like ordered a couple books on Catherine the Great just to like yes. yeah because she is wild she is wild and it's so fascinating but yeah they also have a scene where they're trying to compete for like they're hosting what's it called like you know when back in the day they had the world not tour but like world fair like the world fair and they were having that in, in Russia and they were like trying to come up with ideas. No one had a good ideas. And, but this one person came up with Velcro. This one woman, it was a joke. I think she was just like showcasing Velcro for the costume and how it was like tree sap that they used. And she, someone was like, what about rape though? Wait, this was in, it's is like, this based on, is this historically accurate? I don't think so. I didn't follow up with that. But I love that that was showcasing that, like, uh, this idea of Velcro, but they didn't call it Velcro. They called it something else. 
but their reasoning of not doing it was because like it will be too easy to rape yeah it's really those buttons that keep women safe (laughs) they that's like what they say yeah and there's one scene like oh my gosh i mean yeah i I guess it's like if we were wearing things as complicated as they did back then it could actually be like you know protective okay moving forward um it happened a while ago um the row as you know listeners may know is (laughs) Mary Kate Nashley's clothing line and they it's you know it's like pretty well respected it's like you wouldn't necessarily think that Mary Kate Nashley would have a successful clothing line but it's it it's like you know among the ranks of whatever other runway fashion and they launched a kids collection like yeah like maybe the September and yeah that's not that actually isn't that long ago and um I mean basically these kids all like look like yogi hipster san francisco like (laughs) tech i don't know it's the color palette is like kind of like a bright teal um a sort of like persimmon orange a muted magenta feels like they're doing a satire on it but they're Uh not like Mm -hmm. a satire on like minimalism it does look very like very minimalist cut kind of like robe type things and like like wool looking joggers they all just like they look like little adults in in their robes and like kind of like fuzzy slippers or like kind of like velvet looking loafery slippers can you please say some of the prices because that's the thing about the row they look like you got it at target but they're a thousand dollars like you don't like that's the whole thing about this luxury brand in general, which is you don't actually know and when rich people are wearing it that it's the row, but you so you don't really know how much it costs, which is why I think this is so bizarre. We're not even trying to look rich, but we know how rich it is, you know. So like um the shoe I was talking about, the velvet shoe is three hundred ninety. A cashmere crew For neck time. is five hundred twenty. Yeah, I God, I truly can't imagine. I mean, if I. I also, I also just like don't think I really care what my kids will wear if I have kids. But obviously, if I like if I get into styling them, it'll be like mostly goodwill and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's I guess if you just like have a ton of money though, you're you're like, why not? Do you think that Grimes buys the row clothes for her kids? For her kids? No, I don't. You don't think so? It doesn't really seem like her style. She's more like galactic. I know. I totally agree, but. She also is so wealthy. I wonder what her kid's style is. I'm just like curious because it's just like, it's just when you're so rich, you know, and there's only so many clothing options for children, I guess. I'm like, you might. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of clothing options for kids, but yeah, maybe not that many luxury options. Also, I just have to say like this color palette, it's like the teal and the magenta and the orange makes sense to me. But then there's kind of like a forest green that I just don't get. That's all. (laughs) But today, so we want to talk about trends because it's about to be the new year and that means that people are talking about what is going to be trendy in 2022 and, you know, we wanted to bring some nuance to the topic. So we're going to talk a little bit about like how trends are predicted, why trends are capitalist bullshit, but also why they're not. And then... After that, we're going to give our predictions based on 
Jackie's TikTok research and my research of the runways and also just our, you know, womanly intuition. Um, <laughs> so you were saying that you, that Pedro, we can edit his name out if you don't want his name on there. I but, don't, I don't give a shit. Okay. So the guy you've been uh, hooking up with told you about w, WGSN and you did uh, a bit of a deep dive, right? First off, before we go into WGSNS, um, what do you think trends means? What does a trend mean to you? Like without looking at anything. A trend is like, you mean in terms of clothes or just in general? Just like a generalized definition. I think that like, because humans are social creatures, we are constantly learning from each other, copying each other, stealing each other's ideas, collaborating. And that generates trends in what we eat, what we wear, how we talk how we decorate, et cetera. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think there is a like matrix of information that we exchange and share and we react to. And that's why trends exist is because it is just compact of like the history, cyclical nature of repeating trends, but also like reacting from the past trend. And it's how we learn from each other. It's how we like, the trends now I think are mostly geared to consume. It's a consumer concept now. Mm -hmm. Like trends exist now for us. So we know what, how to consume. Mm -hmm. Trend reports are literally just consumer reports. So I feel like we can't ignore that when we're talking about trends because inevitably like when we're talking about trends, we're talking about this very unsustainable idea of like, what you think is you can buy uh, mm -hmm. to make you trendy, right? Which is just so it's so weird. I don't know. It's just like I feel like there, I'm not explaining this well, but I, there's a deeper, there's something deeper about trends that's we all inevitably want to be a part of them, and they are, like c capitalism is kn knows that, so they're like hinging on the fact that we want to be a part of it. So they make sure to market towards the trends and get ahead of it. Which right. Is and I feel like, I feel like it's a bit of a scale issue because if every 20 years we tweaked the type of denim cut we were wearing and everyone had one pair of denim, like that would be one thing, but the trend cycles are happening faster and faster because I mean, because people are purchasing more and more and because companies want us to purchase more and more. So it's like, it's the amount of garments people are buying and the frequency with which like things are cycling in and out. Exactly. And I think like also there can be trends that manifest in a more DIY manner. If people like the punk scene and people putting like patches and safety pins and like whatever on their denim jackets or like people tie dyeing their own stuff or like whatever. Like I think when trends manifest in a more DIY way, a different story than them being completely consumable or yeah like, you know. yes i i completely agree with you but punk scene even now is something that people consume even though i mean like what it was was like a bunch of poor kids were like fuck you guys we're gonna make our own fucking style and they did with what they had and then it became trendy and, and that's mm. another thing about trends in itself it's always like low income usually people making trends happen because they're like fuck it i don't give a fuck no one cares anyways and then somebody like marketing and exploiting that at some capacity. Yeah. I mean, I think like that's, that's like capitalism getting its ooze all over everything. It's like, it has to have a piece of whatever 
is it's like artists and musicians and people who are like living meaningful lives or creating uh alternative communities come up with trends that like mean something and then yeah yeah, it gets co-opted of course and then becomes like shallow and empty almost but like but anyways old loser in brooklyn is a tiktoker that i'm obsessed with definitely check her out or check them out i don't know their pronouns um but they talk about how they like created microtrend as a word and they had made a TikTok on this this like certain dress and how they called it a microtrend and now how they really regret using microtrends as a term on TikTok because their description of a trend in itself has changed over the course of this year and trends are more of a, like an ecstatic rather than an item because if you treat an item as disposable then it's going to create microtrends so if you call something a microtrend simply because you don't like it or it's like your style isn't your style, then it's promoting this microtrend behavior, which inherently when you like basically when you see something that might be trendy and calling it a microtrend, it just like causes this idea that you have to buy something else like really quickly. It's like speeding up the trend cycle. You know what I mean? Like Right. So a microtrend just being something that's like only trendy for a very short period of time. Yes. And so if we even just call things microtrends, we're making it a microtrend. Again, speeding up the cycle, which is problematic. And all you are doing when you're doing that is just like letting someone else's opinion dictate it, that kind of stuff for you. Right. Right. And because I feel like there's like an aspect of trends that are more about seeing and responding. Like you see a lot of people start to wear whatever thing and then you're, you you get an idea and like you want to wear it, whatever. But there's a difference between that and then just hearing, having someone be like, scrunchies are trendy, but like only right now. And, yeah. and then being like, okay, I guess, I guess I'm going to be old news if I wear that in a month. Exactly. And it's crazy to me that there's this whole job that is trend forecasting like I've also I also follow um Viv the Mole on Instagram and I just started subscribing to their Substack. They are also a trend forecaster. They were posting about Polly Pockets lately and how like that's a thing that's emerging. I think what's more interesting to me about trends is like looking at them and seeing what it what aspect of society it's reflecting. So like Polly Pocket, be like, you know, kind of like kid core, it's called, with lots of plastic beads and Crocs and kind of, yeah, colorful kid-like elements. What does that mean oh, about society I, that, like, people yeah. are gravitating towards that? I also noted that, which we'll talk about later on, but yeah, it is kind of, it. it isn't, it is interesting. I like the idea and I'm going to, I and you'll see it when we talk about, like, our top trends that we're going to, we're forecasting of utilizing trends as a version of aesthetic versus an item. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think we should all be doing because it's like an aesthetic can loosely be anything you want to make it of it versus an item is a consumer concept that could quickly be thrown away. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to avoid throwaway culture. And at least this podcast, I think we would promote not to just throw away items. I'm not against like getting rid of things because you outgrow that. You kind of keep that space spick and span. Exactly. But like the hope to create a wardrobe that you like, you have to buy things that you like and not the things that are trendy. Mm-hmm. And then they, those things that you like can be used within an aesthetic that is considered trendy. Right. Yeah. I mean, and we've talked about like, 
that show what not to wear and how they would basically like rail people for wearing cuts of jeans that were out of date, hairstyles that were out of date. And I think like there is, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to get around it because like, I can't help but see a 50 year old Midwest mom with a like eighties mullet and be like, she should update her hairstyle, even though I know mullets are in right now, but like there is an aspect of keeping up with trends that does feel valid or I mean I feel like there is like when you're keeping up with trends that showcases to me that you're in the know that you're keeping uh -huh. up with the times like you're not checked out and living in a bubble like that's <laughs> what it showcases to me which I think is important inherently choose what you want to wear regardless you know and I I don't but when you look so dated like I feel like trends are such a marker of, it's like, you know, when you can see footage of the seventies and you like automatically know it's the seventies, it does show a collective consciousness, like a, a moment in time, a, a place in time. Like it's like, they, it's especially with the example of hairstyles, it's like, that's not a product that's being sold to you. It's a, just a way of uh, like styling yourself. Right. Well, it was a, well, this is what usually happens with people. They, they gravitate to a trend that they told was, was cool. And they just like, stop there, you know? And I think a lot of boomers kind of do that. And like people before that too, like they were like, oh, this was trendy when I was in my twenties. So therefore men my age would find this attractive still is how I think of it. So, but you're saying that people should just keep their hairstyle forever regardless. Like there is, it's almost like there's a difference between not being trendy and like being, but like when you see someone that is like carrying a trend that was from like 30 years ago and it's, it's like, you're still in a trend, but you're behind. There's a difference between being, fuck it, I'm going to wear whatever I want to wear and not follow these trends. And also like, I, I followed this trend and then I stopped. Mm -hmm. So I don't, and I don't think there's ones better than the other. I just like that you're still in the trend. You still were in, you're inherently still taking part in a trend. I think what, Does like, that make sense? yes. And it's, it's giving me thoughts that I'm going to share now, which is like, I think like we're talking about trends as being, you see people, you see people doing things and you like, you get inspired by them, right? Like we've talked about that. I don't know if we published this episode yet, but we've, we have a TikTok about it, which is like about how being fashionable in public, being stylish in public is like a way of contributing to the commons. Like anyone can see you and get inspired by you. And it just, I feel like if someone is stuck with that, like eighties, like crazy eighties hairstyle, it's like, it makes me think that they aren't participating in current media, participating in current exactly. public life. And so they're not, they're just like not looking around. Like, how do you how are you, if you're looking around, how are you not inspired by what you're seeing and, and wanting to update your look? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And that's why I think there is like a Republican vibe, a Republican mm. trend where I feel like they're stuck. Mm -hmm. And I think it has to do with the fact that they live within a bubble. I don't know. These are all speculations. We're going to move on. Yeah. Can I go over the lover, lover's law? Real quick, James Lauber is this dude. I don't even know. He did, he's like an art historian. He's an author, he's a critic. He's a museum creator for the Victoria and Albert Museum. And he basically created this law that's like, and he has all these words. And I'm like, so indecent, it's called 10 years before it's time. 
Shameless is five years before it's time. Daring is one year before it's time. And then smart is current fashion. Dowdy is one year after it's time. Hideous is 10 years after it's time. So that's like chuggy. Like hideous. Right. Which makes sense because the 2010s really do feel repulsive to me right now. (laughs) Honestly, truly. Yes. Ridiculous is 20 years after it's time. Amusing is 30 years after it's time. Quaint is 50 years after it's time. Like think of all those girls that are like pinup girls. The 20 years after it's time though, like, cause I feel like nowadays, I don't know when these distinctions were written, but like nowadays, if you're wearing something 20 years old, it's, I mean, people are doing Y2K right now. Yeah, but it's re, it's reimagined Y2K. Like, have you, like some of the Y2K stuff that we, we like wore, like, like there's so many things that isn't being brought into the most recent right, right. trends because it's hideous. Mm-hmm. Charming is 70 years after its time. Romantic is 100 years. So 100 years from now is 1920s. Um, and beautiful with 150 years. So that's when people like dress up in like Victorian age or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so is this just so, like some random guy who made up these distinctions? Yeah. And I think it kind of, it's showcasing the cycle that we go through. You yeah. Know what I, mean? I like that. Cause it is, I mean, yeah, it's like, there's a line between recreating the past in a way that's like interesting or cute or like whatever and just being behind and yeah chuggy i hate the word chuggy but i think the guy that the person that like said it on tiktok now regrets it too but i it's also kind of interesting because there's a lot of tiktok reports about how like chuggy is now like a pipeline to cool because all those fashions are coming back like what like chevron oh chevron's coming back i don't want to reveal too much Anyways, okay, so the WGNS Consumer Report, it was a lot about fear, eco-fear, anxiety, instability, and this idea of desynchronized society being a thing, which is like desynchronization is just, we have, we're doing the same things, but we're doing it on a different schedule because of the pandemic and how like work is, works now, our hours are all kind of in flex and now we're just kind of all doing like we're going to the grocery store but all at different times like not everybody has mm. 95 mm-hmm. and a reaction to all these things are like equitable resilience radical optimism so it's this scary. was this was um the wgsn was do, this was in their report was that people are going to be feeling this like insecurity and this desynchronization de- no, not even that we're i think that we're currently feeling it and it, we're going to continue to feel this. Right. I think what he, they're saying is like the prediction is that there's going to be more radical optimism, which I'm like, okay, consumer reports are always going to be overly optimistic considering that we have to keep spending money to keep the whole afloat, you know? Why is this consumer report telling you about radical optimism? Yeah, it's so creepy. It's like when the CIA like knows about stuff. Like, yeah. It's, it's exactly- like you're like, they're not cool, but like they're, they know what's going on. Yeah, there's, it's too self-aware. It's too self-aware. It's freaking me out, you know? like. Well, so what is the Consumer Report going to do about the fact that, like, what is... They have, so they have literally, like, with everything, every, like, revolution, they have a way to consume around it. So, it's yeah, like, what do you bizarre. sell to radical optimists? Okay, well, I'm going to get to the... So that was, just like, a general statement. But there was three different types of consumers that they focused on. 
And the first consumer being the stabilizers, which is like millennials and GXers. And these people are overwhelmed, burnt out. They're self-improvers, acceptant advocates, Zen seekers. They feel very uncertain. They, pri they prioritize stability over everything. So what you sell these people is simplicity. Mm. This whole idea of decluttered. Less is more of an approach to fashion. Everlane. It's like if they can just yeah. have like a few basics that, that like they can know they, they look okay in. They have like some endorsement that's like, this is, this is an attractive garment. Like I won't look exactly. messy or untrendy, but I also won't have to update it all the time. And like, I won't have to think about it. Kind yeah. of like, kind of like tech bros, like we've talked about, like this mm -hmm. idea of not having to think about it because they're all pressed. It's just like burnout culture is their thing. So they're just like, the less is more. I don't, I don't want to have too many options. Too many options means like, if so, like they talk about decluttering shopping online experiences, mm. which is very important for this, this consumer because they can't be over, they like, they don't, again, they don't have time, <laughs> but they also want to make sure they're making the right choice. So I just think it's kind of funny because they're also Zen seekers. They're just trying to, they're looking for calmness. They're looking for peace. Right. I, okay. I, we all know this person, right? Like I was this person, like think Googling simple black dress. That's this consumer. Uh-huh. Yeah. To me, that's just like exactly whoever Lane was made for. Like that was the first category. So the second one, the consumer report, the settlers, which I think I identify mostly with and this new reality of the 2020s that I live in. Yeah. I just feel like it's interesting because it is kind of the opposite. So the settlers is balanced, supportive, conscious, career driven, urban expats, uh, which I'm like, eh. community. So, like, mean, like people who leave the city. Yeah. But like, I don't, I think that's not true, but I do feel like that all the time in the sense of like, I would like to, but I don't want to, but I think a lot of people are moving away from the city to go to a smaller city because it's mm -hmm. too expensive to live in the city. Anyways, mm -hmm. community invested, localist, environmentalist. So millennial and Gen X are like a group looking to plant their roots in their community without sacrificing their careers. And they're driving a new era of localism in the process. And I read that and I'm like, this is us. I'm like so scared reading this because I'm just like, <laughs> I've literally had this discussion with my coworkers being like, I want to move away, but I also care a lot about community. And I, I just think it's so funny. Yeah. Anyways. Well, I'm getting really stuck on the urban expat thing because that I really don't relate to. I don't relate to that either. And there's a lot of people that don't relate to that. So don't, I mean, like not all of these things have to, you have to identify with, but right, some right. Of them, you know, most of them, the religion of work or workism hit critical mass in 2019. The religion of work or workism hit critical mass in 2019. We know long hours don't equate to increased productivity or creativity. They make people stressed, tired, and often resentful. We know this, like, this is my big thing that I talk mm -hmm. about. Is this person writing this? I also was wondering, like, do you think they're working overtime on this report? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like <laughs> curious. I'm like, WGNS, can you like contact me? I want to know, do you guys have a union? But anyway, <laughs> they probably don't. They probably don't. So their folks in there will talk about the four day work week, which I thought was fucking weird. Cause I was just like, how do they know this? How do they know that we all, I mean, of course yeah. they know. Like it's in the, it is in the pulse. Like, like things are happening. But I think it's just interesting that they're kind of like utilizing that as a consumer concept. And so they showcase some case studies like Ralph Lauren recently 
partnered with Depop for their 1990 archived pieces and part of this resource collection sourced via Depop sellers. So it's a lot about like resourcing and like recycling and buying quote unquote sustainably. Um, Zane opened this archive collection in 2019. The site also sells restocks and exclusive pieces made from the leftover materials at the end of the season at lower price points. Like this group, rather than prioritizing newness, this cohort is gravitating towards more sustainable. So yeah, that's a trend that I'm like excited about. I mean, the, the resale market has like blown up. Yeah, exactly. And that's for this group of consumers. That's for us. So you would agree mm-hmm. with the settlers. We're the settlers. Mm-hmm. Versus what do you think? The stabilizers? And I want to be like, what do you think you are, listeners, loyal listeners? If you are time-pressed and overwhelmed and burnt out and, like, that's your group, I want to tell you, come on over to the settler side because, like, the settlers just want to work less. And I think these are people in transition of becoming the settlers. So is there a third category? What do you mean? Is it just settlers and then the other ones? The stabilizers. The stabilizers is uh, the ones that are burnt out. The last consumer that I have is called the new opportunist, which I'm like, so basically the first one was like all about stability, feeling overwhelmed. And they're just like trying to gravitate towards simple decluttered ideas. The settlers are focused on local, localism, environmentalism, community stuff, working less. And then the op- new opportunist is essentially everyone. They're like hyper-connected. They're on the go. They're talking about pack mentality. They're activists. So interesting. They're, they talked about AR and VR being important to this group, especially in hygiene-focused pandemic era. And what I mean by that is like, so, so like groups of people can try on stuff. Okay. I like, I'm trying to think if I know anyone like that. I'm thinking of Elizabeth because she's like my only friend who does VR, but I don't know if the other things Well, think about this. Think about this. Warby Parker trying on glasses. That's kind of AR. Okay. Uh Kind of. But like... For public health, but also for like easier consumption. Yeah. So Gen Xers are like probably, I think the primary people that we're talking about. Yeah. So this is like for like the Gen Xers that have like a family or are trying to juggle family and work. They're just trying to find time to buy things and AR and VR are a great way to kind of like figure it, that out if they, if they like it or not. I did marketing for a little bit. And like one of the things we did was like, we'd go through our followers on Facebook and we, Facebook has like those metrics that you can categorize people and it'll say like urban elite. They have their dual income, no kids, and they, yeah, like efficiency or like convenience is really important to them. They like green smoothies and like basically these like very specific descriptions of like groups of people. It's just, it's trippy. It's trippy that like that's, that people have that much information on us that like we're basically just, I mean, don't get me wrong. At the end of the day, I know I'm just an ant on an anthill. When people are just lumping you into groups and like determining what you want to buy, it's like a little dystopian. Yeah, for sure. And it is weird that we're doing this. Okay. I rather, I rather you talk, tell me what your trend. What my predictions are? Yes. After we just had that whole discussion about how trends do and don't matter, it's all about consumerism, yada, yada, whatever, just like for fun, we wanted to put out our own trend predictions. I 
did a lot of looking at the runways. That was my main way I generated this list. And I basically made two lists. One of them was a here to stay list. And one of them is like, kind of like new, newly trending. Oh, I love it. Okay. For here to stay, I have puff sleeves, big collars, sweater vests, lime green, bike shorts, Y2K, corsets, and like a bright emerald slash Kelly green. Yeah, just I'm seeing a ton of that all over the runways. We, we've talked a little bit about corsets. I'm excited about corsets that are not just like bustiers, but also like waist corsets and the corsets that are part of skirts, if you've seen that. Yeah, we've talked about sweater vests as like, I mean, they were everywhere. A couple years ago, I bought a bunch in 2020 and I was like, fuck, like I may have just gone overboard, but then they were like, they felt very current and exciting again this year. And I think people are still going to be experimenting with them. And and I think not only sweater vests, but like collared vests, more like suiting vests as mm-hmm. well, I'm seeing. And yeah, okay. And then my top 10, which may actually be eight is, <laughs> okay, hot pink. I'm seeing a lot of hot pink. I think like millennial pink is giving way to like a brighter, um, almost like fuchsia tinged. Oh my pink. God, I was about to say, okay, so the color of the year, do we tell you now? The Pantone or what? Well, it's WGNS's uh, announcement of like the colors that will be popular on the runway. What, what um, was it? Orchid, like fuchsia. Okay. Uh-huh. This one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, which is almost like, um, which is almost like shocking pink, which is a color that was created by a surrealist fashion designer that we'll talk about in the next episode. But, <laughs> and now that I'm looking up the Pantone color of the year, it is not no, it wasn't Pantone. Yeah, I know, I know. I just, I had, I had said Pantone. So then I was like, it made me curious. It's a purple. Okay. Hot pink. Okay. Go-Go boots. I've been talking to you about Go-Go boots for a while. I. Are you I, saying that you knew you've known? Um, I didn't, I, I don't know if I, I mean, yes. <laughs> I don't know if I started this trend, but I, I did. definitely, I definitely <laughs> didn't start it because I don't have any, because your options are either like getting like costume plastic go-go boots or you can get like really expensive kind of like new reimagined ones but I think like because of the thick 90s boot that's coming that's been back like chunky heel uh like a flare heel whatever I think that's going to funnel into go-go boots like they it might be a trickle next year but maybe it'll be bigger afterwards okay gorp core so like athletic Athletic wear mixed with fa- like more like fashion forward outfits. We saw the collaboration between North Face. Was it North Face and Gucci? Ooh, was it Adidas and Gucci? I'm not sure. It was definitely North Face. I mean, maybe Adidas did one too. Okay, yeah. North Face and Gucci did a collaboration. And then like, I've just been seeing a ton of like, kind of like Tiva-like sandals being worn on the runways. And um I'm all for it like uh humble brag I've been doing the like athletic shorts with I mean honestly it was what's that girl's name who oh man man repeller yeah Harling Harling Ross was doing like kind of fancy shirts with athletic shorts like forever ago but anyway Gorp Core so like um camping camping wear but like mixed with more like fashionable things hot pants I'm seeing a lot of really, really short shorts 
on the runway is kind of like a 60s, 70s style. And I think that's pretty fun. There's suit like they're, they're called micro shorts. I don't know. I don't know if there's like hot shorts is a, is the, it's probably the same thing, but what would I see them being called as micro shorts? Yeah. I was just looking at them on the runway, calling them hot pants, but either way, it's like, I've, I have been seeing a lot of like high waist, super short shorts, um, sometimes in like a leather, sometimes in colors. Okay. Fringe, seeing a ton of fringe ponchos or even like overlays, kind of like things like kind of like loose, what's it called? Not knitting, but like kind of crocheted fringy things mm-hmm. that people are putting like over their outfits. Okay. This one, you heard it here first people, pedal pushers, like, um, <laughs> It's like a cropped pant, but it's like a little bit like the the crop style has been popular for whatever, a few years, but this is like a little bit shorter. These were popular in the 2000s. Pedal pushers, clam diggers. Well, but like, what are they? They're just like, are they hemmed up or are they like chopped off? The ones I'm seeing are hemmed and it's like, whereas I feel like early 2000s, it was like you wear pedal pushers with sandals or like whatever I'm seeing people wear them with like long socks and like oxfords or like loafers so it's a different look and I love it okay more y2k stuff camo is like coming back in full force and I'm just like and like colored camo too like early 2000s it's just and then micro tops which is like basically (laughs) wait are you in are you pro camo I'm just surprised by it no that wasn't what I was expressing I'm just like I'm shocked Okay. Okay. And then micro tops, like I'm seeing a lot of like basically bandeaus with strap. Yeah. Teeny tiny tops. And then last one I have is espadrilles or any other like shoe that ties around the ankle. I'm seeing people do that like around their pants. It's like basically this whole list is like mostly Y2K besides maybe like go-go boots, hot pink fringe. Yeah. Gorp core maybe is like, but yeah, like I want to talk about what we envision for our personal styles next year, but also I'm just like, I don't even really know exactly where my head at is at with all of it. Oh my God. I'm so excited to talk about that. Can we talk about it at the end? Because I do have a point about that. Yes. Because yeah, I want to know what you think, what you're going to do and what you're not going to do um, mm-hmm. moving forward. So I'm really excited. Any thoughts on Any thoughts on my predictions? A lot of them overlay. Okay, so I did aesthetics, and okay. a lot of the things that you were saying fit into some of these aesthetics that I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. And it it all sounds. And here, and that, this will be my endpoint. And I've been saying this word a lot, but it, all those like combos sound seriously unhinged. Okay, like, it sounds like a crazy person gathered all the trends and threw them in a bucket, and you pulled <laughs> random words out. You know what I mean? Like right, right. Well, I mean, there's so much room. There's room for so many trends because there's just so much content and so much clothing being produced and yada, yada. But at the same time, I totally get what you're saying where it's like, okay, Gorp Core, like, okay, so we're mixing outdoorsy stuff with fashionable stuff, hot pants and micro tops. We're just yeah. like not wearing any clothes. Okay, camo. We're just like- We're wearing uh, we're, we're corsets with your fucking shorts. Like yeah. running shorts. It's like- right. I'm here for it. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's just like kind of insane when you say it out loud though, Mm -hmm. you know, like what? (laughs) Yeah. And that's like my thesis of this all. So anyways, okay. So I have a top four list and then I broke, or really I have a top five 
And then I broke them into and all these like are overarching themes. And then I kind of go into detail of each one. This most of this stuff was taken from my girl. It, you should just go follow her. I don't again, I don't know them, maybe um, old loser in Brooklyn. They are trend forecasters. They're amazing at what they do. I'm very into their reporting. And they kind of did this whole overarching aesthetic stuff. And I also pulled from other TikTokers. But this is kind of what I figured out or what I gathered. So the first one being indie sleaze. And you and I lived through this era of like the late, late 2000s, early 2000, like 2010s. Um, and it was like, there's a comeback, basically think Polaroid cameras, club photography with a name on it, film photography, cigarettes, which I think might be a reaction Wait, to the club photography. Did you ever remember like those parties? Like they were like the flash was really bright, but it was all very casual, like in the moment partying pictures. That would be, I would get them on Facebook or, or they'd be on oh. Tumblr and they would have like a big, like name brand on the corner, like right hand bottom corner of them. Yeah. 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 Do you yeah. remember those? Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's more like casual look, we're partying aesthetic that like the clubs themselves would put out. Right. Yeah. In general now, like it's, and I'm like smoking a cigarette and it's like from the late 2009, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. Like yeah it was also a time when like we all were just or at least i was like indiscriminately posting so many photos to facebook of like me partying and just now looking back it's like oh my god why did i do that well i mean you did it because it was part of the scene like people were posting all these like very authentic kind of like experiences laid mm -hmm, back mm -hmm. there wasn't this like curatorial like yeah. Presence. Yet. And it was kind of cool to be seen partying too. This mm -hmm. is why it's like, it's, it's all like that. So an offshoot of that is like Parisian ballet, which is like a dark academia kind of runoff, which is a lot of like sheer fabrics, pearls, bows, lace, like a lot of like soft and hard kind of mixed together. Think mm -hmm. like Simone Roche, 2022 spring, summer. Have you seen that? Google it. Okay. Simone Rocha the Irish designer. I love it. It's very femme and edgy. And it's of this tweet area, which is like, again, an offshoot of indie sleeves, which the tweet era was like hipster chic, Zoe Deschanel, Mooey Mooey Spring 2010, Alex Chung, Tumblr, The Rookie, Tavi Gavison. And for those that don't know who Tavi Gavison, she was an 11 year old that started The Rookie and it took off. And her personal style was incredible and amazing. And she wrote about self-expression a lot and really pushed this that young people could question why we have to ask permission to dress the way we do we were all utilizing thrifting and it there's like a mixture of big scarves big chunky scarves with like i had ballet shoes for sure um oh my god yeah flats made my feet so stinky yeah they were so gross but I love them. Wait, did you did you look up some Simone Rocha? Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of these like all white looks with like a lot of frill and tears and tulle and lace up. And I, yeah, I fucking love it. I fucking love it. Love it. This, this is like looking at this collection makes me glad that I haven't gotten rid of that like 1970s wedding dress I bought because I just need some ruffles in my life. Some tears. I some love tool. Yeah, volume is a big thing, I think, coming up. Volume 
is through all, like all of these things that I'm going to talk about, like including Parisian ballet, but also it's the next one, which um, DigiFairy kind of gave me an idea of, of the name for it, um, which is another TikToker, and it's called Absurdist Humor Outfits. So that's like the Absurdist Humor is think of the VMAs this year. <laughs> think of Doja Cat. Like, like think of like the Uggs that we wear now. It's like ironically wear Uggs. Crocs, but a lot of right. I mean, even Crocs, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of like irony, like wearing, but like people actually like it, whatever. Clown core is kind of an offshoot of that. And I, and that's what I think of like volume. I think of like big detachable colors. Look up Moschino, Moschino uh, fall 2022 and open up another thing and look up Chopava, Lowina, bring. Oh, wow. Yes. So this is like color for chevrons. One other brand that uh, like, so there's a lot of colorful chevrons. There's a lot of like neon bright colors, but also like kind of giving vintage vibes at the same time. Mm -hmm. Basically think fluffy, voluminous, like giving circus tent vibes, giving clown core courses. Like that's the name of the thing. So it's yeah. Again, with the lace up boots, like I um, very like military-esque jackets, um, bowler hats, even like kind of like army hats, really vibrant. Yeah, very clown, very like, almost like theatrical. Yeah, it's the best. I don't like Moschino, but it is the best one I've ever, he's like really honed in his style. And when I say he, I forgot his name, whatever, that guy. Right now. Jeremy Scott? Jeremy Scott, yeah. Jeremy Scott is like problematic, but I can't remember why. Anyways. Yeah, it's like safe to assume. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's safe to assume. But anyways, another offshoot of this like assertist humor is like, Chugi to Kugoro pipeline that I was talking about. It's like, again, ironically wearing trend cycles that are uncool and then they become cool. Like what? Like what kind of trend cycles? <laughs> so like, well, like Chevron, Chevron, I told you is coming back, like wearing Uggs and wearing, like, like you said, um, that yeah, other brand. comfy shoes that everybody wears now and like put stuff on them. Crocs. Yeah, which I was like, you guys are being marketed to. Like, that, to I me, listen- that's more ugly core than Chugi to Cool Girl pipeline because like crocs weren't previously trendy i don't know we're splitting hairs but that's fair that's fair i mean yeah what else are we here to do (laughs) (laughs) yeah we gotta think hard about this well this is because i have been wearing uggs my mom gave me a pair of actually sorrels last year but they're like fuzzy inside and then they're like my dog walking shoes now and i'm like it's like once you have a pair of shoes that's fuzzy on the inside you just like are begging for it to be some kind of fashion statement. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so cozy. It's hard mm-hmm. not to. We've got to be real. Sometimes we, it's comp that's important. But anyways, mm-hmm, that's kind mm-hmm. of like that's the two one is like this absurdist humor, and then the third one is like just straight vintage. It the whole idea that it looks vintage is the appeal in itself. So like ranging from like 50s to the early aughts, obviously. Think like most recent Gucci runway with how like everything literally looks like old Hollywood almost or like like a different period of time. Yeah. Like it, it, it was obviously doing a callback. So like luxury brands are opening up more and and more of like with their past collections. It's kind of like what they're doing. And I just think that's just going to be an aesthetic that we see more it's like almost costume wearing all this is almost costume it's all costumes i like it yeah i'm here for it but yeah just straight up vintage is my third prediction and that like can range from the 50s to the early aughts post-apocalyptic futurism is my other one my number four so more for the gen zers than anything 
but like think like vintage John Paul Gaultier, Y take Y two K fashion, like future glittery shiny rhinestone trash, but also like falling apart clothes that is neutral, but also like nineties themed idea of the future. Some of the offshoots that I have here are one vintage cyberpunk which are like computer generated prints and again vintage Gautier this is kind of the the thing that we'll go into and my girl sir lady the third or whatever tiktok talks about how this is called a hauntology and it's this nostalgia for the future anything that can be seen in the hackers the hackers being a movie and like that's kind of this the theme of this hauntology and part of that inspiration for the cyberpunks um, in the nineties was that tech tech would save us, would like set us free. Now we can't even imagine that optimism, especially with tech ol oligarchs and mass surveillance and the idea of tech that was supposed to save us now just haunts us. So this vintage cyberpunk is kind of like, it's vintage because the way we look at the future is different. And another offshoot is like avant-garde. This is again, old loser in Brooklyn, uh, avant Apocalypse, actually, which apparently um, at the algorithm um, named it, uh, which is this Rick Owens and Margulis love child, and it's like neutral maximalism. Lots of deconstructed pieces. You talked about knits and neutral tones, but the magic happens in the layering and thrifting and archive collections is key to this movement. So there's really no way, like wrong way of doing it, but like think of like an all black layered, like almost like falling apart piece, but like you can see it in the beauty because it, it's layered so, and it, there's so much texture. There's a lot of texture in this one. Y2K fashion, which I think is just speaks for itself. It's the most obvious one. And pieces like the popcorn top are coming back, which I'm surprised you didn't bring up, Hope. Well, the, to me, the popcorn top was happening more before the apocalypse thing. I feel like I've been seeing that like a more watered down version of that with like, the like sweaters that people are cropping like right under their boobs and like uh do you yeah. know what I'm about? no and, that's like, totally part of it that's totally and, like cutouts and stuff like that's like a more like refined version of it but like the more raw version of it is genuinely distressed things worn the wrong way yes that's, uh, that's part um, of it too. but again it's like in the layering there's no wrong way of doing that one mm -hmm. i love this idea of like kind of looking like we're in the apocalypse it's just fun it's a fun thing i don't like the neutralism of it all obviously but i do see the appeal of when you layer the same color over each other and how textures can come out from that i do think it's really beautifully done sometimes i also feel like if it was a truly an apocalypse like i can see it being hard to dye garments you know it's like, yeah that's fair so it's like you know it's like bare bones very uh, rugged and badass yeah and again, like I said, the Y2K fashion, which I brought up is like the popcorn top. Yeah, you know? you're saying that you're surprised I didn't bring that up. I, yeah, I was seeing the popcorn top 2020 and like didn't really see it the past year. So it, I forgot about it, but yeah, that, that could be cool. I guess, I mean, I just never pull the trigger because I'm like, I don't like it enough. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of how I feel. I stuff that you like, otherwise you're just gonna hate it. You know what I mean? Like, and you're gonna get rid of it. Cowboy hats, because the cowboy alien obsession, I think, which was a Y2K thing mixed with bright neon clothes and pl and plastic transparent pieces, giving a more like Xenon the girl a 21st century look, you know, which I mentioned by myself, because I don't know, maybe Hope and I have very similar brains, but it's a very childlike perspective of the future. 
like the Y2K fashion. Interesting. Wait, a child like perspective of the future. Like Xenon, the girl of the 21st century, is I think a lot of the Y2K fashion that people are aspiring to. And they just don't realize it. But I mean, Xenon Girl of the 21st Century was like straight up space age. Whereas like I feel like what you're saying is like a different interpretation of the future where it's like instead of viewing a future where we are buttoned up, galactic, technological, we're like we're distressed, surviving apocalyptic yes but for that's for avant our apocalypse mm-hmm. um i'm talking about y- y2k fashion that's an offshoot basically yes. a post-apocalyptic yes. future which you are right yeah. i i actually yeah i agree i've been seeing a lot of predictions that are saying that like very like futuristic cuts of things very like futuristic looking like shoes that look like rocket ships kind of that yeah. kind of stuff is is going to be popular so there's like three different kind of offshoots for my post-apocalyptic futurism and that's kind of it. Anyways, and then my last one, my last like trend prediction is overall just too many trends happening, like I said, and I think personal aesthetic is going to reign supreme. And the only word I can describe it, it's just like unhinged outfits. Mm-hmm. And one of them is tiny Jewish girl. She's been like a star through TikTok right now. And she talks about looking for color and texture when she's like putting things together. Candy Brat underscore considers themselves a fashion wild child. And then this Tara Chandra giving this very futurism femme chaos. None of it really makes sense. Like any other style, like I think the thing about trends, again, it's like about response of the past trends. And they're eliminating all of that and just like, putting on pieces that they like and mixing and matching they're free of of history Mm -hmm. almost they're liberated from that okay okay and then i follow someone called anna golkayapez i don't know i think it's like two last names or something but she her whole thing is like wearing what i want and inspiring you to do the same and her style has become more and more unhinged and i feel like it's usually when we're getting dressed in communication with history and with current yada yada and like this way of dressing is almost like an escapism from escapism from reality escapism from culture escapism from like the society we've found ourselves in yeah i feel like escapism isn't the best word for it but yeah i see exactly what you're saying like maybe like i would say or like yeah Yeah. because it's like people are just like you were saying it's like it's almost about being inspired by colors in a very visceral way and like being inspired by textures in a very visceral way and like kind of like intuitive dressing almost i've heard the term intuitive dressing and Ooh, so I, I don't like know, that. I don't know if I'm using it the way that people tend to use it, but that's I what's think coming a, to mind. Also, I think this touches on the article that we did a while back on what was going to come out of this pandemic. And it was going to be a very like freeing people kind of out in whatever they fuck, like very like YOLO. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's literally what's happening. People are like, oh, I don't have anybody to shame me for wearing exactly what I like, which is very cool. I want everybody to wear exactly what they like and don't worry about it like Mm -hmm. just don't worry about it because fuck it why not yeah which like and you've mentioned before like if one if a person is like going to work every day and their style is affected by that then like what even is their personal style and like obviously not everybody is working from home right now but the fact that like a 
huge percentage of people are working from home now compared to in the past. Yeah. Like I can see that adding to this, like, you know, absolutely. Yeah. A built this, this idea of freedom, freedom mm-hmm. to wear what you want. You're not mm-hmm. like the oppressors that be business casual aren't on your shoulders, aren't weighing on you. You can literally wear whatever the fuck you want inside your home. Yeah. And then you post it on the internet. So do we want to close out by talking about how we want our style to be in 2022? Yes. Well, okay. We, you know, I talked about wanting to have a more edgy or exciting hairstyle so that all of my outfits would automatically be more edgy or interesting or like stylized looking. I haven't pulled the trigger on that because I also just am really enjoying how, how, soft my hair is right now even though it's really long and I don't know is the thing it's like on one hand I feel like gotten into this rhythm of just going to goodwill getting inspired by whatever I I see getting it styling it up and having my style be kind of a result of that sort of sort of like happenstance and luck and I want to start being a little bit more intentional about how I dress I think I do want to do a little bit of gorp core. Like I want to be a little bit less 80s businesswoman and a little bit more like current looking. Obviously, I want to continue to wear a ton what do you of mean color. With okay. Current looking. We just went over the trends. What is current looking? So like a little bit less 80s businesswoman, a little bit more like I think a little bit more, I hate to say Y2K, more like street style, perhaps, if that makes yeah. sense. Slouchy but polished. Yeah. I'm just going to lose my goddamn... I've decided I'm never... I'm just going to wear the fuck I want, except for at work, obviously. You're going to get hot and then dress. I'm going to have a mullet for a haircut, which I know is very in, but it's not, like, considered the bachelorette attractive, you know? I'm not trying to achieve the bachelorette attractiveness. I am going to get fillers in my lips and, like, a chin augmentation through fillers, too, and, like, get Botox and and stuff. Like, that's what my plan is. So my face is going to get, like... A bachelor overlook but everything else about me is gonna be <laughs> queer weird crazy looking except for when i need to not be like mm-hmm. in certain settings you know what i mean like i'm just gonna yeah i'm right now i think i'm kind of like unhinged looking but it's like not enough like i really really want to push it this year of like and that yeah. also includes makeup i really want to try every year i feel like though i'm like i'm gonna get into makeup and i'm like no i'm just gonna stick to cat eye because that's the only thing i've ever done uh-huh yeah oh man that makes me feel like a washed up lady on what not to wear like because it's like I feel like I learned the cat eye at some point and it's just like what I do now but it's also exactly you make your eyes look like wider you know yeah I I think the cat eye is literally the like throw a cat eye you've changed your whole fucking face dude yeah it makes it's amazing and you also can like put a bot a bunch of eye makeup on and then throw a cat eye to hide all the mistakes like, I still don't know how to do eye makeup, but I do know that I can smear some eyeshadow on and then put a cat eye on. It looks great. Yeah, dude. It's like, I don't wear eyeshadow often, but when I do, it's like literally to hide eyeliner mistakes. On dates, I want to push myself to look crazy mm. because I I really, I catch myself a lot bringing it, bringing down the, the unhinged aspects of me. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. if I don't think my eye makeup looks presentable, I'm going to not do that. I think I'm going to try to push to wear like yellow eyeliner, you know? Yeah, I I support this. 
I mean, I'm not going on dates for like six months and I'm going to continue probably hooking up with Pedro. Maybe like we might never talk again. Who knows? Probably doesn't care if I live or die. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't seem like you care if he lives or dies either. Same back, back at him. But I am not going to date for like six months because there's just too, I got to get hot. I think it's my person hot. Oh my God. I kind of want to keep, maybe I just will keep being intuitive about it, you know, just kind of like waking up and just putting on whatever. I really like that. Yeah. I think, I hope people can take away intuitive styling as the trendiest thing that you could really do. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. I love it. Well, this is just, this has been another delightful (laughs) conversation. I've, um, okay. Well, I love you. I love you. I'll talk to you later. Love you. Bye.